You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Um, today, let me stop real quick and... and I want to share some vision with this really quick. You know, we do these kids, uh, our kids note-taking cards. Right now, we don't have enough space to have an elementary-specific room or elementary ministry. We have some space, but honestly, we need to grow our, our volunteer team to be able to staff it correctly and not run people uh, into burnout mode. And so uh, we're in a season right now where we have invited our elementary-age kids and even some of our younger kids, if they would like to join us here in the auditorium. And at first, you know, in, in the modern church, I can feel a little strange. But I would say this, I think it's, we've tried to take advantage of the season that we're in, meaning this, there's something special that takes place in our families whenever our kids in the next generation get to see their parents engage in church. Because a lot of times in the modern church, we drop our kids off, they go to their church, we go to our church, and we're basically going to two different churches, but they never get to see mom and dad in service, take notes, bring their Bible, raise their hands, worship, engage in the message. They don't get to see that. And so I think right now something special is going on in our church where our kids get to see us engage in church. And so it's a good thing. And like I said, you know, our church is growing right now and so exciting, but we have some of these growing pains that we're just, we're working out as we go, but they're, growing pains, that's a good thing. Amen? It's a good thing to be like, man, hey, we need some more space. We need a kids ministry. We need to grow our kids team, all that good stuff. But I want to make sure that our kids know, hey, just because you're in here with mom and dad, you're not overlooked. We do see you. We value you. And um, there's something to be said about a next generation, even in their elementary years, that can follow along in adult messages and take notes and have an action step and then live it out the following week something pretty special uh, is taking place. And so anyway, just just wanted to share that in case you were confused or maybe you haven't been here very long, but that's why we're doing what we're doing. Um, hey, today we're going to wrap up our series called Multiply. Everybody say Multiply. Uh, we've been talking about how multiply is kind of our foundation word for this year, that we're believing that the things of God, the will of God is going to multiply in our life, in our church's life, in our family's lives, and we're believing uh, that we're going to see God do a lot in our lives this year, multiply some things in our lives this year. If you brought your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 28. That's where we're going to be reading today. And today specifically, let me give you some context before I speak specifically about what uh, kind of the word for today is. But today we're going to look at Genesis chapter 28. It's a very unique story that we're going to look at. This is Jacob. Jacob has at this point in his life, he has stolen his older brother's birthright, which is basically the blessing from his father Isaac. Now Jacob is on the run. He's fleeing his brother. His brother's name is Esau. Esau wants to kill him. He's furious with him. And so what we see though is though even though all this chaos is going on in Jacob's life, he's running, but God has a destiny. God has a destination for him. And it's a necessary journey that we see Jacob going on for him to get to where God has for him to go. And so today, specifically, we're going to talk about destination. Destination. That's what we're going to talk about today. God has a destiny. He has a destination for each of us. Now, eventually, ultimately, it's heaven. He wants all of us to live for eternity with him in his presence, in, him, in, his, uh, in heaven, in the heavenly realms where he is at. Ultimately, it's heaven. But while we're on earth, God has placed dreams in our hearts for us to do, which align with his will. He has a destiny, a place for you to be physically here on earth. Eventually, it's ultimately heaven, but he's got something for you to do here. 
if we are going to get to the destination that God has for each of us, there is a journey that takes place in between where you're at now and getting to that place that God has for you. We see it time and time in scripture, whether it's physically God taking people from one place to another, whether it's spiritually God taking one person from believing something, living a certain way to transforming their life to doing something completely different, what he has for them. But in order for multiplication to happen in our lives, we must be obedient to the destination God has put in front of us. And so before we get into this story, let me give you point number one, and so we can kind of understand it, how it applies to us. Point number one is this, prayer produces action. Prayer produces action. Prayer is one of the things, as a believer, that it's the simplest thing to do. But for some reason, I think in the modern world, because things get so comfortable, oftentimes prayer is one of our last things that we do. And usually what happens is whenever it's the the little things in life that we don't pray about. And I think that breaks the heart of God. Do we commit to prayer everything in our life? Or is it just when, hey, so-and-so's in the hospital, we need to pray? Well, what about we pray and we thank God for our health before we get to the hospital, right? Like, what if we pray about the little things, the little blessings, the little things we want to see happen that align with God's Word? Prayer produces action. A very interesting story we're going to look at in Genesis chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 10. We're going to read pieces of it and kind of break it down uh, bite by bite. But here's what it says in Genesis 28, verse 10. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and he went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he, he, he put it under his head and he laid down in that place. He's using a, a rock for a pillow basically here. Verse 12. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder, your, your translation in your Bible might say a staircase set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Ascending and descending on it. Let me stop here for a second. Two things to note really quickly. I think one of the ones that we can pull out of this that applies for our lives in this this principle is that sometimes I think the reason God has to speak to us in dreams or that God has to wake us up in the middle of the night to speak to us is oftentimes because we don't slow down or shut our mouths long enough to hear his voice while we're awake. We live in a fast-paced world, and I think sometimes we are running our race so fast that God's saying, I have something to tell you, and all he can do is wake you up in the middle of night to get your attention, or maybe give you a dream or a vision while you sleep to get your attention to say, hey, I'm trying to speak to you, but you're not stopping long enough to hear what I'm saying. Have you ever, if you talked with somebody, who you try to have a conversation with them, but they talk, you know, 99% of the time, right? How do you feel, right? You try to talk and then they just cut you off and, and they just change the subject. They don't respond to what you're saying. It's not very nice, right? <laughs> Eventually you're like, well, I don't want to talk to you because you don't even hear what I'm saying. I'm trying to have a conversation. You might as well just go talk to a mirror. I think sometimes that's what we do with God. God is saying, hey, I'm trying to talk to you, but you're just talking 95, 99% of the time. Would you slow down and hear and let's have a conversation, together. Um, I think this is important that when you have time with God every day to find a time to get quiet. And you may say, well, Pastor Dan, I'm I'm a stay-at-home mom and I got little kids at home. You don't understand. There ain't no quiet at home, right? (laughs) I understand. But I would say this, find those ways and ask God to remind you and to show you ways that you can listen for his voice. You know, whenever Gavin was a baby, he was real young. I'm not a singer, but I would, whenever I would rock him to sleep at night, I would sing Amazing Grace. 
and I don't, I don't know the whole song, but I would sing the parts that I know, <laughs> you know, and, and I, just quietly, not obviously he's, he's trying to go to sleep, so I'm not just belting it out, but I'm singing this, and I'm just singing it, and I, I was just taking advantage of a time where I could get my phone out, and while I'm rocking my kid, I could be scrolling, I could be thinking about something else, I could be doing something else, and I just thought, Lord, I'm going to take these opportunities with my son to get into your presence and get quiet as your son. And there was something special about those moments where God ministered to my heart, and I just had to find those times because life is busy. But if you look for it, there are times where you can get quiet enough to see and to hear what God has for you, but it takes some intentionality. And so here's what we see. The other thing that we see is, so God, sometimes God has to wake us up in order to speak to us, but God in this, in this story, he allows Jacob to see into the spiritual realm. And what does he see? He sees not a static heaven, which I love. It's not that all of heaven, he could see into heaven and heaven was all contained up there and not down here. He sees an active heaven, that the angels are moving on behalf of God, coming and going to the earth and back into God's presence. The angels of heaven were on the move and there was a divine connection between the natural and the supernatural. And this is why I, I say this quite a bit, and I stole this from my pastor growing up, but he said this, I wholeheartedly believe that God is always doing more than we think he is. Why, why do we say that? When we look at this story, it's just because Jacob couldn't see the ladder, he couldn't see the staircase in the natural, it doesn't mean that it wasn't there. Did this, did this ladder, the staircase just show up once he started sleeping? I don't think so. I bet it was always there. In the spiritual realm, it was there, and it was happening. In the, he just couldn't see it. But once he fell asleep, God pulled back the curtain of the supernatural in the spiritual realm, and he said, look what is going on. God pulled back the curtain in the spiritual realm, and he invites Jacob into a deeper understanding of who he is and how he works. And that's what I love about God, is he's seeing Jacob, and he's saying, look what's taking place here. Look what's, look what's happening because see, Jacob at this point in his life didn't have a close relationship with God. He was in a very unique situation. In fact, he had heard stories of the covenant that was made to his grandfather and to his father, but this was really the beginning of the first time where God is speaking to him directly in this moment. And so his life is beginning to shift. It's beginning to change. And now he's beginning to understand who this God is at a very personal level. And so scripture shows us that the angels of God are active. We see this all through scripture. They are active, but we have a part to play in their activity. We have to remember this. We have a part to play in their activity. Look at this uh, scripture, Psalm 103, verse 20. It says, bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word. Look at this, heeding the voice of his word. Heeding the voice of his word. Very interesting verbiage here. Let's look at it. Heeding the voice of his word. The angels then are listening for the voice of God's word and they do what it commands them to do. So here's the question. How does the word of God get a voice when we pray it out loud? How does the word of God get a voice when we choose to align our words with his word, our breath with his God-breathed book that is alive and that is active. So here's what we have to understand. We are not the boss of the angels. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that when we align our words with God's word, there are angels more than we can count who are waiting, according to scripture, to heed the voice of God's word. 
And so this is why it's so important that whenever you are believing God for something, oftentimes you may come up in, into the prayer team, and one of the first things they're going to ask you is, hey, what, what scripture are you, been, are you standing on? What scripture are you speaking over your situation? Why? Because we want to know, hey, are you getting some spiritual backup from the heavenly armies of heaven? Are you getting spiritual backup? Because there are warrior angels who are waiting to heed the voice of God's word, but we have to align our voice with God's word. And when we do so, what happens? When we align our voice with God's word here, we are believing for God's will to be done. And scripture says in 1 John 5, verse 14, it says this is the confidence that we have towards him, him being God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, verse 15. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we ask of him. So how important is it then? For our prayers to be effective, how important is it then for us to pray in agreement with God's word, which is his will? His will is not a mystery because his scripture says, hey, if you pray his will, it will be done. It's not a mystery. He's not somebody that's saying, if you can figure it out, if you can figure out what my will is, then it might happen. He's saying, no, dive into this, learn this, speak this, believe this as you pray, and when you align your prayers with this, you can have faith to know that those prayers are reaching the ears of our Heavenly Father. Amen? See how Scripture makes it very clear and it's very practical. So prayer what? Prayer produces action, and it's a, prayer is a necessary partnership that moves the heart of God. And I love this question. So one of my friends asked my dad this question a few weeks ago. He asked him this. He said, are your angels busy? Are your angels busy? Not like your guardian angels. Maybe for some of the dudes in here, you might be a little reckless. And so, yeah, they're busy too. But are your angels busy? Meaning this, are my prayers in alignment with God's word in such a way that they are moving the armies of heaven to do God's will? Let me say that again. Are my prayers in alignment with God's word in such a way that it is moving the armies of heaven to do God's will? Not because I'm in charge of the angels, but because I'm submitting myself to the lordship of Jesus and his word, and I'm aligning it with his word. And because I am, guess what? Scripture says there are angels waiting to heed the voice of God's word. Prayer produces action more than we realize in little things and in big things. Point number two is this. Remember God's closeness. If I'm going to reach the destination that God has for me in this life, if I'm going to reach all that God has for me in his will for my life, my family's life, my kids, my future kids, I have to remember and remind myself of God's closeness and his presence. And so here's what we see. Jacob is having this vision. He's having this dream. And as Jacob looks to the top of the ladder or the staircase, he sees God and God begins to reiterate the covenant that he has made to Abraham and to Isaac. And so God is following up. He's speaking it. And basically God is saying, yeah, all the stories you heard about me with the covenant, it's true. It's true. This is what I'm going to do for you. And let's pick up in Genesis 28, verse 15. And God says, behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, look at this. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? There is none other, this is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. A couple things here. Jacob was going through difficulty on his way to the destination that God had for him. 
right? He just got his inheritance from his father, Isaac, but he's in the meantime, while he's got that, he's lost his family. He's on the run. He's thinking he's going to get killed. His brother wants to kill him specifically to say that he has family drama would be a complete understatement. But in the midst of it all, what does God say? God says, I will be with you. I will not leave you until what I have done, what I have promised comes to pass. How good is our God? Is that not the the promise for you and me as well? That though we may go through trials and all through Scripture, we see this principle. Though you may face hardships, though you go through a valley of the shadow of death, though you may go against things that are coming against you, weapons that are formed against you, God continually reiterates through the principles of Scripture, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And it reveals the character of God. How good is our God? He says, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be there for you. And let this be a reminder of the power of God's presence in our lives. Why is it important for me to remember how close God is? Because there is power in his presence. And so God's presence covers us everywhere we go. God took care of any situation that might happen where you would think I'm too far for God to be here. In fact, here's what we see in scripture. God's presence Number one, God is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere, all at the same time. If you want to read on that, go to Jeremiah 23, and he talks about how God is everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. The second thing we have to realize is that God has an inner presence in us. Whenever you become a believer, he puts his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So no matter wherever you go now, his presence is near. You can read Psalm 139, and he talks about there's no place I can go that your presence is is not with me. But here's the third level or depth, if you will, to the presence of God, and it's his manifest presence or his made known presence. And this happens when we gather together as a church body, his manifest presence. So he is omnipresent. He is We have an inner presence, but there is a manifest presence that is available when we gather together as the church body together. In fact, I would say this. Have you ever been in a worship service where you just, you could sense the presence of God like you never have before? Like it was, it was almost tangible. You could almost feel like you could reach out and and touch the presence of God. It was right there. And maybe you were moved and it wasn't just an emotional thing, but you could sense it on the, in the deepest part of you. God is in this place. God is in this place. That is the manifest presence of God. And the manifest presence of God is what separates us from anywhere else in the world. There's no other nonprofit, organization, whatever you want to call it, that is like the church. Because when the church gathers, God himself shows up. This is God's house. And he says, when my kids get together, I will be there. This is what scripture says in Matthew 18. In fact, it reiterates, it says, where his presence is, there is, there is the power. Matthew 18, verse 19. It says, again, I say to you, this is Jesus talking. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, look at this, I am there in the midst of them. I am there in the midst of them. Some very strategic verbiage from Jesus as he is telling us about this level of the presence of God that we have access to. There's a reason (laughs) that what we ask is done according to this scripture right here. It's because the presence of God is standing there with us. 
Have you ever maybe circled up to pray with some people and you all kind of hold hands and you're just in a circle and somebody's praying and you're just believing? When we do that as believers, you can literally imagine the presence of God standing in that circle with you, holding your hand, saying, I agree with what's being said. As long as we're praying in agreement with God's word, I agree with what's being said. How do I have confidence that it's going to, things are going to change, that those prayers are going to be answered? It's because Jesus himself is saying, I agree. Invite me into this intimate circle of prayer. I agree. This is the power of prayer. This is the power of remembering God's closeness, that when I pray, God is not just the man upstairs that I have my fingers crossed and he's so distant from me. I hope he hears this prayer and I hope that these prayers get to him because so, he's so busy and he's got a lot going on and there's, there's wars and there's crisis and there's things. Who's little on me? See, when I pray that way, I have no faith. I have no faith because it's like, I don't even know if my prayers are reaching into heaven. But when I understand and remember God's closeness, that he is everywhere, he is in me, and when I gather with the church family, he is here in this place, available and ready to move. Then I have faith to pray for some things, to change in alignment with God's word. This is exactly why at the end of service we have a prayer team up here. We don't have a prayer team uh, because, you know, we should pray, and if we don't, we're going to get emails, people saying we're not a praying church. That's not why we have a prayer team. We don't just, when we think about how is our service going to go on Sunday, we don't just think, well, this would be cool if we did this, and oh, this would be a good spot to do this here. We don't do that. Here's what we do. Scripture says we enter into the presence of God with praise and with thanksgiving. So what do we do? We start our service with what? We're going to worship together. Scriptural, biblical. We're going to step into his presence. Scripture says draw close to him. He will draw close to us. We're going to step into his presence. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to study God's word, guaranteed. If, we're, if you come to a by church and we don't ever crack this thing open, you might want to find a new church, okay? Because <laughs> what, what are we doing here if we're not getting in this thing abundantly? Amen? So what do we do? We've stepped into God's presence. Scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We are going to read Scripture. We're going to make it clear. And we're, we're going to give you some meat and potatoes spiritually to feed on. So guess what? Now we're in God's presence. Now we've built our faith. And now, hey, as we dismiss, our prayer team is going to be available. Our prayer team is ready to pray, as we see in Scripture, the prayer of agreement in alignment with just God's word, which we just heard, to see God move in your life according to his will be done in your life as it is in heaven. See how it's strategic? I say strategic, it's just biblical. God, how can we best steward our time together and steward your presence? Let's get into his presence with praise and thanksgiving. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're going to build our faith. Hey, now we're going to pray the prayer of agreement. We're going to lay hands, join our faith together. And that's why we always say, don't walk out of here carrying a burden you weren't meant to carry. Because if you want to see God move in your life, I promise you, there's no better opportunity than at the end of one of our services. The, the rest of your week, you may go places, you may be at the job site, but look, We've done all of this in preparation for saying, God, we're ready. We're going to pray that your will be done in our life. And I think God's looking for those opportunities if we will walk in obedience to what his word says. So at the end of service today, if you need prayer, we're going to be available. And I promise you, God's going God's to move. When you remind yourself of the closeness of God, though, it emboldens you to continue to move forward. It, can, it emboldens you to continue to move forward. That's why a few weeks ago I said, look, when you don't feel like going to church, it's the best time to go to church. 
because you're gonna come to church and you're gonna remind yourself, I'm not alone. God's presence is here. My church family is here. I can face tomorrow. But as long as you stay isolated, that is where scripture says you are under the, you have the biggest opportunity to be attacked from our spiritual enemy. So scripture says that the enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Who does a lion devour? The isolated, the weak, and the left behind. That's why when it's like, man, I got a lot going on and it's been stressful and I don't know what's going to happen. We've got a lot of, we've been through it this week. Guess what? I need to get in church. I need to get right into the middle of this, this herd of people. I need to get into the middle of it because the enemy is trying to come after me. But safety is in the middle where God's presence is and where his people are and people that love you and will pray for you and walk with you. Point number three is this. Anoint your life with worship. Everybody doing okay? Anoint your life with worship. So Jacob, at this point, what does he see? He, he sees into the spiritual. He sees the ladder, the staircase. He has experienced God's presence in such a new way where he is just like, the Lord was here. I didn't even know it, but the Lord was with me. He's in this place. And finally, his response is so amazing. He, he anoints the place where he's at. But anoint your life with worship. Let me finish this passage here. Genesis 28, beginning in verse 18. It says, so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and he set it up for a pillar and he poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat, clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. In Scripture, what we see is that oil always represents the anointing of the Spirit of God. So here Jacob's response is, I'm going to anoint this place as a reminder, a physical reminder of what happened in the spiritual realm, that God is in this place, His Spirit is in this place he pours out oil on that place, anointing it in worship, acknowledging the living God. But what I love is this, Jacob's response to give God back 10% or a full tenth or a tithe, to give that back, it was not a legal requirement from God. It was Jacob's response to God's goodness, to his grace, to his covenant. Jacob experienced God's presence and he said, Lord, who am I? <laughs> Lord, because you're so good, I'm, I'll, I'll gladly give you a tenth back. What was God not saying in this? You can read the passage in the full and he, God does not say, look, if I'm gonna do this, you better give me a tenth. You better give me the first tenth. That's not what God was saying here. God said, look, I'm gonna do this for you because I made this covenant with your ancestors, with your father and your great father, your grandfather. I'm gonna remind you today why the tithe, when we give the tithe, and you may come here and you may hear me, us talk about every Sunday, hey, if you wanna give your tithe and your offering, I wanna remind you why the tithing isn't an Old Testament law thing. It's a part of it. But hear me, this story is 350 years before the law was given to Moses when it was a requirement. 350 years before. So we always get hung up on, well, 
tithing's Old Testament. I don't need to give 10% or I'm going to give more than 10%. And we get caught in the legalism side of it. But Jacob made a vow simply because he had an encounter with the living God. Not because God said, you better. Jacob said, what can I do to return these many blessings to you? And that was his response. And here's what I found. When people have an encounter with God's presence, it motivates them to give without any manipulation or guilt trips from the pulpit. Jacob didn't need a guilt trip. He didn't need manipulation. He didn't need anybody to twist his arm. He said, I've seen God. I've been with him. I've seen into heaven. I have no problem returning to God what is already his. There's something that happens in the spiritual realm when you make a decision to trust God with your finances and give God that 10%. Hear my heart in this. I can't explain it all, okay? Leslie and I were just talking about a situation in our personal lives just this morning about felt like God called us to do something and to, and to do something for somebody. And, and man, God has come through big time and I can't explain it. But here's what I can tell you. I've only ever heard two testimonies when it comes to tithing. The first is from people that don't tithe. They say, we can't afford to tithe. But the second testimony is from people that do tithe and they say, we're so blessed. I've never heard anything in between. And again, I can't explain it all in the spiritual realm. All I can say is look at scripture and look at what it says to you. But here's the trap that we fall into when it comes to things like this. When we try to modify our behavior without first having an encounter with God, all we end up with is religious, religious dead works. Let me say that again. When we try to modify our behavior, I'm going to change my behavior without first having an encounter with the living God. All we end up with is religious dead works works. Well, I'm going to do that because I have to. I'm going to give my tithe because I have to. I'm going to volunteer because I have to. I'm going to go, you know, and help over here because I have to. We're missing it. That's religion. That's dead works. I have to. What are we talking about here? When I have an encounter with the presence of God and with the living God, and I respond with an attitude of worship, a grateful returning to the Lord, what is already, already his. I'm going to tell you something. The bills get paid and every need is met. Let me tell you why. Leslie and I, we don't tithe. Every, every time we get paid, when we get that deposit, the first thing to leave our account is 10% of our gross income to the local church, which is here. That goes right. That's the first thing that leaves our account. That's our first 10%. We, we do that. We, now I'm going to say this. We don't do that because we're supposed to do that. We don't do it because we're supposed to. That's not it. We're missing the heart. We do it because we've had an encounter with the living God. Because I've personally experienced his forgiveness. I know his grace. I know his love. I know his favor. I've been in holy moments with him where he has blessed me, revealed himself to me in ways that I don't deserve on my own. That's why I have no problem doing whatever I can to further the kingdom of God. And this is what Jacob's attitude is. Lord, you didn't ask me for this, but Lord, I've seen you and I see your covenant and I promise I will return just as his grandfather did, Abraham. I will return a tenth to you of all that you give me, of all of my increase. And here's my heart for our church. 
that if we would create a place on Sunday that's all about the presence of God and not about the, the human performance, that every Sunday we will set up a spiritual ladder or a staircase in this place where the angels of God go to work. That's what we want. Lord, this place is your house. And we're going to create an atmosphere and a place, not manipulate by, by emotions. No, we're going to genuinely create a place where today is all about you and it's not about how good we perform today. How funny Pastor Dan was today. It's probably not that funny, okay, because it's not about me. Today is only about him. Everything we do, distraction-free, nothing else to look at. Lord, we're here for you and you alone, not to further our agenda, but to further your kingdom. And I promise you, we will set up a spiritual ladder in this place where the angels of God go to work. And if we respond by anointing our lives with worship, I'm going to tell you something, church, there won't ever be a building that a by church can't afford. There won't ever be a family that a by church can't afford to help out for their bills or their groceries or in time of need. There won't ever be a volunteer team that needs more people or more help. There won't ever be a staff position that we can't afford to hire because of the growth we're experiencing. Why? Because when people have an encounter with God, they have no problem responding in worship. When you know the living God, not checkbox religion, the living God, and you've been in his presence and you've seen his closeness, you have no problem responding in worship. And here's what Hebrews 7, 8 says. I love this. It says, here on earth, mortal men receive the tithes. But there, speaking of heaven, he, capital H, that's Jesus, receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. See, sometimes we get caught up in, well, Pastor Dan's just trying to get my money. That's not it. I promise you that's not it. The heart is, Lord, I may give it in the natural here on earth. But scripture says that there in heaven, Jesus himself receives our tithe. How personal is our God? Especially when you look at your finances and you say, man, I can't afford to give this. But how good is our father to, to get down on your level and say, I see that. And I know what you're going through. And I know this is by faith you are doing this. And he personally receives it. Man, this verse tells us that when we tithe on earth, he receives it in heaven personally. But tithing shows us that it's also a witness of the resurrection of Christ. It shows that my faith is that he still lives today, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So don't get hung up when you read stories like this, even in the Old Testament of this religious law of, well, he had to give his 10%. That's not Jacob's heart. Jacob was in the presence of God. And he responded by anointing his life with worship. And he said, everything from this moment forward, I will give back to you. I will give back to you. As I wrap up, let me leave you with this verse here. God has a destination for all of us. Ultimately, it's heaven, but that doesn't mean that we overlook the destination, the calling that he has for us while we're here on this earth. But this story, it gives us an incredible prophetic picture of this ladder or this staircase that is connecting heaven and earth. And it's the interesting picture. And we, it's kind of tough to understand, like, why a staircase? Why a ladder? But Jesus brings light to it. Because everything in the Old Testament is foreshadowing and pointing to Jesus, saying, this is Jesus. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. And here's what Jesus says in John 15, or John 1, 51. Then Jesus said, I tell you the truth, look at this verbiage. 
you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus is the stairway. He is the ladder in this Old Testament. It's Jesus. He's the only connection between heaven and earth. He is the only access point for us to get into the presence of the living God. He's not a way. Well, there's a bunch of ways and people believe whatever that you, he's not a way. He is the way, the only way to the Father. And what I love is this is once again, it's so personal because we serve a God who's not far off somewhere and we're trying to please from a distance. He's saying, no, when you pray, when you seek me, and when you do these things that I ask you in my word, Jesus says, I am the connection point between where you are on this earth and into the holy presence of the living God. And the angels go up and down on me, on me, the connection point, he says, to bring answers and to take requests according to the will of God. Our God's not distant somewhere. He's here. He's available. And your destination that he has for you, you can access but only through Jesus. So today I'm gonna leave you with this. If you're in here today and you're not walking with Jesus, today's your day. Today is your day. Today's the day of salvation. Maybe you were at one time, but you've been doing your own thing. You've been drifting. You've been, you've been running from God. Today is your day. You may have walked in here and you say, man, I didn't feel the presence of God, but as we have been in his word and in worshiping him, you may have felt like Jacob. God is in this place and I didn't even know it. He's here. In just a moment, we're gonna dismiss. And today, if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you need that connection point for sure from earth to heaven. I'm gonna ask you to be bold and come forward in just a second when we dismiss. Before I get to that, let me pray for you though. Lord, Jesus, thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you provided a way for us to have connection with you. It's not in our own power. It's not by our own works. It is a free gift from you. And God, I pray that as we acknowledge and understand the connection of Jesus from this place to the throne room of heaven, Lord, let us pray bold prayers. Let this week and this afternoon even be a, a time and a season, Lord, of bold prayers filled with faith, knowing that because we walk in agreement with Jesus, the word, that we have access to you. And Lord, our prayers are that your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven, that it's not our agenda, Lord, we're praying for you because we, we trust that what you have is far greater than what we could ever imagine for ourselves. Lord, let us walk in boldness this week. Remind us of your closeness this week. And Lord, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. Let us never overlook how powerful it is to have you connecting us to the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.